Please open your Bibles at Psalm 93. And let me remind you that there's an outline available in the online resource section on the website. We're not told who the author of Psalm 93 is, but there's absolutely no mistake about the theme of Psalm 93. We're told it there in verse 1. The Lord reigns. These first three words are like a trumpet blast of essential truth. The Lord reigns. There's no holding back. There's no easing us into the theme of the psalm. This is front-loaded truth. It's crystal clear to all who read it and hear it. The Lord is, and the Lord who is, reigns. Now, what we're doing in this wee mini-section in the book of Psalms is looking at some of the psalms in the fourth book of the psalms. Psalm 90, God is our home. Psalm 91, God protects us in and through danger. Psalm 92, God is our delight. Today, Psalm 93, God reigns. This is really the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. It came up briefly in Psalm 91, you may remember a few weeks ago, but it's the major theme of Psalm 93. It's absolutely essential truth for the Christian to understand and for the Christian to accept. It's also essential truth for the church. Because there's a crisis in the church these days, even within the evangelical church. The God who is proclaimed, preached, presented is often cheap, shoddy, inadequate, a substandard version compared to the real revelation of who he is in Scripture. And so the preaching about God is often dumbed down. The preaching about God is softened. Or we're left with a feeling that we need to constantly apologize for God, that we are embarrassed by God. See, the temptation constantly is that we might be influenced by the world and therefore water down our beliefs. And one of the ones that we want to water down is the sovereignty of God. So the sovereignty of God, the Lord reigns over all, is a foundational truth. It's described by some as the Mount Everest of doctrine, the bedrock of true theology. We believe God is, and we ought to believe that the God who is, is sovereign. He's in control. He's reigning over all things. John Piper and others claim that this is the dividing point in belief and in theology. And if you fall on one side, then God is small and man is big. And this creates a, a man-centered preaching, man-centered worship, man-centered evangelism, a man-centered view of sin, man-centered everything. But if you fall on the other side, God is big. Man is small. And it creates a God-centered preaching, God-centered worship, God-centered evangelism, a God-centered view of sin, a God-centered everything. So we need to hear this, don't we? Because so many Christians are weary and confused about living in this broken, fallen, chaotic world. 
And so many churches are struggling with the idea of God being sovereign and the world being so rotten. What's going on? And, and therefore, they're tempted to try all kinds of things to try and grab people to influence the world, entertainment, gimmicks, superficial emotional lifts. The list goes on. We need to hear again. We need to believe again. And we need to preach again and again and again. The Lord reigns. Now, think of all the attributes of God that we know and love. God is holy. God is faithful. God is creator. God is love. God saves. He is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. He is omniscient. He knows all things. He is omnipresent. He is present everywhere. But high up on that list of the attributes of God is the fact that he is sovereign. This is so important, my friends. So important. Because we need hearts that are filled with the presence of God. And we need our minds filled with the knowledge of God. And we need our souls filled with the salvation of God. In many ways, all of this is tied up with the idea of the sovereignty of God. The Lord reigns. So yes, these first three words of verse 1 are absolutely crucial. Now, even if we don't always understand it, and how could we always understand it? We must believe it. We may not always understand it, but we must believe it. The Lord reigns. It's not that he would like to reign, but he can't. It's not that they used to reign, but not today. It's not that maybe one day he will reign. No. The truth is very clear. The Lord reigns. And it's not that sin reigns, or Satan reigns, or the world reigns, or man reigns, or anything else reigns, or any combination of what I've just mentioned reigns. It's the Lord reigns. So, let's be done with faithless pessimism. And let's take up confident, biblical faith in our God who reigns. So, let's think, first of all, of the God who reigns, verses 1 and 2. Secondly, God reigns even over chaos, verses 3 and 4. And God reigns through his word, verse 5. So God reigns, verse 1 and 2. Let's read those verses again. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and is armed with strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. This is who God is superior to all others. No one, nothing comes any way close to being like him. Scripture is very clear about who God is, and any other understanding of God is idolatry. Any other understanding of God has a false God. Any other understanding of God has a man-made God. So we've got to get this right. First of all, notice, 
that it's the Lord who reigns, God alone, not luck, not circumstances, not rules, not good men or bad men. We're talking here about theocracy, God rules. We, we know all kinds of different forms of government uh, here on earth. Uh, there's autocratic government, often headed by a dictator. Then we have government by monarchy, headed by a king or a queen. Or Then we've got democracy, where the people elect people from the people to lead the people. But here we see theocracy or theocratic government, where the Lord reigns, and he reigns exclusively. So he, it's the Lord who reigns. But notice the word reigns there is in the present tense. That means he's reigning now, and he's always reigning. So today, this is true. And tomorrow, this will also be true. So he's not a kind of spectator or an observer of life. He's not distantly removed from his creation. It's not like he created all things and retired to the skies. You know, he's up there in the clouds listening um, to angels play their harps. It's not that he reigns over selected areas of creation. So actually, it means there's no such thing as bad karma or bad luck or anything that the pagan superstitions would teach us. He reigns all the time. So it's the Lord, first of all, and it's the Lord who reigns, secondly. Thirdly, he's robed in majesty. You'll notice at the end of verse 1, it's actually said twice. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty. What we have here is a picture of grandeur and dignity and authority. He's girded with regal splendor. There's nothing that can rival him. No one can rival him. And fourthly, he's, he's armed with strength, you'll notice, uh, as we continue in verse 1. The Lord reigns, he's robed in majesty, the Lord is robed in majesty, and is armed with strength. He's totally in charge. All power to carry out every decision he wants to make. Real power, not for show, um, not as a threat, but real, total, complete power which means he's undefeated and he's undefeatable. He's armed with strength. Fifthly, with the word used there, established twice there at the end of verse uh, 1 and then into verse 2, the psalmist points to what is called the immutability of God. Simply means he is unchanging. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. This is his unchanging nature, unchanging in his character, unchanging in his plans. The Catechism teaches us, of course, that God is a spirit whose being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth are infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. God is unchangeable. He is established. Everything is in its place. Everything is planned out. We change all the time. Physically, emotionally, even spiritually, we change. As we grow older, we change a great deal. But he never does. He is unchangeable and unchanging. 
And noticely, sixthly, he's from all eternity. That means he has never not existed. Sometimes uh, children will ask us, you know, who made God? Well, nobody made God because God always existed. That's the simple fact, the simple truth. Before history began, he existed. Before time began, he was. So he's no upstart king. He's not a, a pretender on the throne. He's not someone who's recently taking up the throne from somebody else. He's from all eternity. And the great thing is, we can see and be part of the supreme and eternal rule of God. That's the wonder of salvation. And all of what we're saying, that the Lord reigns, that he reigns actively and continually, that he's robed in majesty, and that he's armed with strength, and that he's established, unchanging and unchangeable, and he's doing this from all eternity. All of this is wrapped up in the idea of the fact that he's sovereign. He is Lord. He is Yahweh. He is the great I am. He is sovereign. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and he's the end. He is the one who reigns. But what does it all mean for you and me? Well, it means two things at least. First of all, we can trust him. Yes, we can. We can trust him to keep his word, to keep his promises, to keep his people. There's no need to fear. His plans and his purposes are set. His plans and his purposes are perfect. Oh yes, we're prone to fear. But we don't need to because the Lord reigns. The second thing I suppose this doctrine means, at least the thing that came to my mind, is that we should be bold in our testimony. Let's stop apologizing for God. Let's stop being embarrassed about him and his ways. Let's tell the world. Let's tell the church. Let's tell people with grace, yes, but with confidence. Our God reigns. I think we need to relearn what we already know. We've been already taught all this, but maybe we've forgotten it. Maybe we've overlooked it. We need to relearn that our God reigns. And we need to rewire our brains, rewire our minds and our hearts so that this is plugged in, that this is something that we really understand, we really believe. So it's the Lord who reigns, no one else. It is the Lord who reigns, now and always. He's majestic, robed in regal power. He's strong, armed with strength. He is established, unchanged and unchangeable. He is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. And yes, we should say it and we should sing it and we should pray it. The Lord reigns. That's the first point, verses one and two. But secondly, God reigns even over chaos, verses 3 and 4. The seas have 
lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters. Mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Now the psalmist anticipates an objection. And perhaps it's an objection that is in your mind too, if you're honest. If God reigns, as verses 1 and 2 tell us, why are we surrounded by chaos? That's the objection. Because unless you bury your head in the sand, you have to admit that our world is corrupt and depraved. Morality is collapsing all around us, isn't it? There's confusion in the world of religion and faith, even within the evangelical world of religion and faith. There's chaos everywhere. Think about the relentless pursuit of the unborn child. Think of the bloodthirsty desire to murder unborn babies. I mean, how can you explain that? And then there's the ongoing attack on biblical morality, especially in the area of marriage and of sexual ethics. The idols of modern man are almost too many to mention. Power, money, sex, entertainment of various types, the glorification of self, the abuse of drugs. There's depravity and wickedness and debauchery and iniquity and evil and sin everywhere. Why? Why? If the Lord reigns. And then there's a all the natural disasters, the tsunamis and the earthquakes and the hurricanes and, and the floods and the droughts and the COVID-19s and the, the cancer and depression. Why? If the Lord reigns, why? Well, the answer, I think, is very clear there in verse 3, is it not? The seas have lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. You see, the whole of creation, including depraved and corrupt human hearts, rise up against the sovereign rule of God. Verse 3 describes what is happening right now in our land, even right now in the hearts of many, many people. It's the only explanation that's viable. And it's always been like this since Genesis 3. And it's always will be like this until the return of Jesus, when he's going to um, wind up this bankrupt world and create a new heaven and a new earth. You see, verse 3 says that the, the forces of evil are rising up. The forces of evil are being lifted up against the Lord and his sovereign will and his sovereign ways. Images like seas or waves or floods are often used in the Bible to describe chaos and disorder. So it's a metaphorical use, a symbolic use of seas or floods, depending on which translation you're using. Remember, this is a poem. And the, the, I suppose the poet is using words to paint a picture. And the picture is a picture of rebellion and turmoil and chaos. It's a picture of our world, your world, my world. Notice verse 4, that um, the thunder 
and the breakers, mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. The thunder, the breakers, it's loud, it's angry, it's destructive, it's powerful, it's intimidating, it's overwhelming, it's pounding, evil, rebellion, on and on and on and on against the rule of our sovereign God. Pounding evil and rebellion against our faith, against the gospel, against the church. But, notice verse 4, mightier than the thunder of great waters. Mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. God is mightier than the madness and the badness of our world. He stands against such rebellion. So yes, we watch the news, depravity on display, the false religion on the march, the decadence of leaders, the immorality of our nation, all of it. Like angry waves against the rule and the reign of our God. But folks, don't look at the waves. Don't look at the waves. Do look and keep looking at the Lord who reigns. Our God, who is mightier than all the evil and all the badness and all the sadness in our world. He reigns and he's mightier than the pounding evil and the pounding rebellion of our world. Now, maybe today, there's chaos in your life right now. Maybe circumstances are difficult for you. Problems in your life are numerous. Maybe your job security has all but gone. Maybe you're on furlough and you don't know what it's going to be like when that ends. Maybe relationships are difficult or non-existent. Or broken. Maybe the money in your bank account is running out and it's bleak and it's difficult and it's painful. It's like a chaotic storm. It just seems that the breakers of evil and difficulty just keep coming one after the other. It just keeps coming. And it's hard for you. But listen. The Lord reigns. Listen. He is mightier than the storm you're in. Mightier. And yes, it's easy to be intimidated by evil. It's easy to imitate evil. But today, let us be a people who say, the Lord reigns. He is mightier than what I have to face. I will not be intimidated by evil. I will not imitate evil. He reigns. He is mighty. He is my God. So God reigns. Secondly, God reigns even over the chaos in our lives and in our world. And thirdly, God reigns through his word. Verse 5. 
Your statutes stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days, O Lord. The word statutes there is just another word for the Bible, the word of God. His glorious truth, his beautiful revelation, his powerful testimony. Now, the world is full of lies. That's what you'd expect. That's what's there. The church should be full of truth. Your house, he says, your statutes stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. We're, this is supposed to be a place. We're supposed to be a people of truth. So again, we need to have our minds and our hearts rewired. and We need steel in our backbones, don't we? And the only way to have our hearts and minds rewired, the only way we're going to get steel into our backbones so that we will not be intimidated by evil and lies and the chaos of the world all around us is to hold fast to his word. Your statutes stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. God reigns through his word in his church, in his people. So the way for us not to be intimidated by evil and lies and the chaos, the chaos all around us and not to imitate the evil and the lies and the chaos all around us is to hold fast to his beautiful statutes. He will not stop telling us the truth. He never does. For endless days, he's going to keep telling us the truth. It's here in this beautiful book, this revelation So stay true to the word. This is how God reigns in our hearts, in our families, and in his church, even in his world. And the effect of it all, of course, is holiness in our lives and in our church. Holiness adorns your house. Purity in a rotten world. Godliness in a confused world. So no matter what happens around you, no no matter what happens to you, we can know God reigns through his word. So what we should see here is the ministry of the word of God within the house and the people of God empowered by the spirit of God to produce a holy people unto God. We might be tempted to try and win the world by being like the world. It's a big temptation and many fall for it, but it cannot work. We need to be like God to win the world, not like the world to win the world. There are three tests of whether, I suppose, the statutes are standing firm for endless days. Three tests of whether what is preached is truth. And I suppose you could ask these tests of of this particular sermon, like any other sermon that you listen to. First of all, has God been glorified? Secondly, has Christ been exalted? Thirdly, has man been humbled? See, first of all, glorifying God. Some people make God like a weak giant. A weak giant. He tries hard, but he's not able. He he, he could do it maybe back in the Old Testament days, but he can't do it today. He's just a big, cute, weak giant. And some lower Jesus and present other messages, and simply don't want to think about the cross or the resurrection. And some exalt man rather than humble man, and he's the ruler of his own destiny, and he's, he's got the answer within him, and me, myself, I, it's all about me. But that's the Lord who reigns. 
not the storms of evil and sin, not the storms of circumstances and problems. Do you remember from our call to worship? Do you remember what the wise man did to survive the storms of his life? The rain came down and the floods came up. You know the way the song goes? The winds blew and beat against his house. And we read, it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. Jesus is the rock. Stand on him. Be saved by him and be safe in him. Storms come and go. The chaos around us grows wilder and wilder as time goes by. There's collapse and confusion in our society, even within the church. This grows as time goes by. Circumstances and problems in your life may escalate, but the Lord reigns. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Be saved and be safe in him. Stand on him, the rock, not on the sinking, shifting sands of the world. May God bless you as you come to understand the wonders of the sovereignty of God that the Lord reigns. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for the wonder of this short psalm where you tell us very clearly that you reign. You reign even over the chaos. You are mightier than the storms and the chaos and the collapse and the confusion and the circumstances and the problems that can hurt us. And thank you that you also taught us that you reign through your word. And we pray that indeed we might stand firm in your word and that might lead us to holiness for your great glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.